Welcome to the Gratitude Cafe, positive radio to feed your soul. Your dynamic host and founder, Sue Lundquist, will bring you her own intuitive talents and gifts for co-creating, healing, and teaching. Her show, The Gratitude Cafe, Positive Radio to Feed Your Soul, is focused on bringing you to a higher place each week where you can leave the hustle of life at the door. So pull up a chair and join us for The Gratitude Cafe, Positive Radio to Feed Your Soul. Hello, everybody. Sue Lundquist here with the Gratitude Cafe. Good morning, Benny. Morning, Sue. How are you today? It's a Very fun well. Tuesday. It is, as always. Always. Magical Tuesday. Well, welcome, Pacific Northwest. Welcome, International. I know it's uh, via YouTube. So those of you that are joining us can see us goofing off during the show. And then, of course, during the commercial break. And that's always entertaining fun (laughs) goofiness in the house if you would like to join us on youtube please do that all you got to do is go to youtube and type in 11 50 11 50 a.m for those of you joining us in the pacific northwest good morning and a special note to you guys in the pacific northwest i benny well you're you're not in the scene anymore but check this out what hang on you'll get it hang on defrost dating yeah totally not in the scene yeah right okay please explain Their this one aim is to heat up the seattle dating scene oh. defrost dating do you know why they're saying it that way specifically come on don't they call this the seattle freeze up here that's what yeah okay so want to make sure we're on the same page here okay, okay. oh totally okay. right okay so I have a dear friend who is putting on a beautiful event and she's also launching a new dating scene. And it really is defrost dating, especially after everything that's been going on over the last three years. And if you would like to go to her event, it's at Bell or it's in Bellevue, but you do need to go to Eventbrite and you need to search defrost. It's in Bellevue. <laughs> And she's got, um, well, let's see. I'm just going to read this because that's just the best thing I should do. So defrost dating. Uh, it's going to be Tuesday and check this out. It's 222 of 22. And it's the new dating club in town and it's called defrost dating. Again, their aim is to heat up Seattle singles scene in an exclusive singles club where each member is vetted. That is important. The launch party is on 222. And called Defrost Dating Game Show. How cool is that? It will be held at Magianos in Bellevue. We know that. Entertainment includes a comedian, a magician, a dance instructor. Ooh. Brianna Rice, who is a contestant on the ABC The Bachelor TV show. Do you remember? I haven't been watching, but maybe I shouldn't say I haven't been watching The Bachelor, but I haven't been. I used to. I know my kids love it and I'll, I'm watching all of the drama and the juicy stuff. So if you want to defrost, if you want to go and have a great time with local singles in your area with high quality vetted people, you got to go check out Eventbrite. So just go to Eventbrite and search defrost. It's in Bellevue at 22222. All the information is going to be on Eventbrite. Go have fun. I may even see you there. Maybe. We'll see. All right. So we are going to be jumping into today's show. 
I am super excited. David Rickman is here and he is an author, a public speaker, an endurance athlete whose mission is to form more meaningful human connections through storytelling. His first book, Winning in the Middle of the Pack, discusses how to get more out of ourselves than ever imagined. With Cycle of Lives, David shares stories of people overcoming trauma, and they delve deeply into their emotional journeys with cancer. Welcome. Thank you, Sue. Very good morning to you and, and to you too, Benny. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm Benny. Okay, you know, I do the formal introduction and all that, mm -hmm. but I want to get to know you. My audience wants to get to know your flavor, your energy, your why, and congratulations on your new baby. Ah, thank you. Yeah. It's, well, this one's a good one. This is a, a, a baby more of love than of and purpose than, than self-serving because 100% of the proceeds are going to the cancer-focused charities that were chosen by the book participants. So um, I do have the main uh, motivation is to maybe better equip the reader to start hard conversations around trauma, um, either as they're going through it or others around them are going through it so they can form more meaningful connections. The second goal, a minor goal, because books don't make a whole lot of money, but is to raise money um, for the charities that were chosen by the book participants. So yeah, this one's a fun one. Let's have that conversation connection in trauma because mm -hmm. there is so much vulnerability. And if you are not in a safe space, safe space, meaning relationship, whatever that looks like in your life, it is, and I'm speaking from personal experience, it's extremely hard to have those tough conversations and to feel that you are safe enough and vulnerable enough, you can be vulnerable enough to share those emotions and feelings and fears. Can we have that dialogue, that conversation? Because I think it's so important. And it's really, really hard. Um, and, you know, I really learned the absolute truth, Sue, behind the thought that you never know what people are going through, or what they have gone through, right? I mean, if you would have looked at where I was at when I kind of made a very stark and purposeful change in my life, right? If you would have, if you didn't know me and you would have said, oh, well, here's this guy. And I would have, you would have assumed whatever. I was running a big business. I had two kids, you know, I was married. I had all this wonderful stuff like from the outside going, going on, but from the inside, you, you would have been shocked to know what I was going through. You just don't know what people are going through and, or what they had gone through. Um, for, for me, that transformation took, and, I, and it brought, and that gave me ability to bring another, I'm hoping another level of understanding when I talk to people is to, because I, I, I live that you have no idea what's going on, right? For, for yeah. me, what was going on was um, on the outside, everything looked good, but on the inside, I mean, I was married to a very abusive, physically abusive alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was trying to fix the relationship and trying to make it work out. And it was the most miserable thing I'd ever been involved in. And, um, you know, I was overweight, I was a smoker, I was stressed out, I was, you know, very despondent. I, I was, you know, kind of at the end of my rope. And, but on the outside, nobody would have, most people wouldn't have known, right. And, and I think that's the same with everybody that's going through some type of trauma is, even if we might have some sense of it, we really don't know, we don't know what people have gone through and what they, what they are going through. And so, 
I, I, I wrote this book in part to kind of answer that question so that when you do have a little more like authentic connection, a little grounded, like take some extra time to learn, you know, what's behind the curtain, what's, what's going on or what had been going on in their lives earlier. Um, it, it, that gives a basis for that, for that deeper connection. Mm-hmm. So much in there. I, I'm like <laughs> listening to what you just said. And there was so much in that conversation. Uh, talk to me about your why in creating well, I'm looking at your book as its own community, right? Because mm-hmm. it's a community in its own little culture of walking through that conversation physically, emotionally, metaphorically through trauma. And of course, donating the proceeds to cancer. That's pretty magical. And mm-hmm. I, I especially, and I, this is probably going to stereotype, but I especially love this conversation with a masculine, a man, because there's not a lot of that, you know, and to, the, to those of you that are going to email me and go, Sue, that's not fair. You know where I'm coming from. It's coming from love and compassion. And it's to open that dialogue and conversation to bring men more forward. And I know there's women that can be, you know, less vulnerable as well. However, in the grand scheme of things, it has been in history that it's very difficult for men to open up, right? Because of stereotyping or the media or family, whatever that looks like. So I commend you for doing that. And where I was going with the the book and the culture and that conversation is your why behind it, right? I know it's it's a labor of love and to be of service. However, there is a culture, there's there's that beautiful community that's bubbling behind the scenes and what you've learned from that whole experience. I'm sure it was so cathartic. Yeah, it was. And it, it, it's, it, the, the thought, uh, the, you know, beginning of, of this journey for me kind of came at this really low point in my life. So I, I just mentioned, right. I was in a bad relationship. I had four-year-old twins. I needed to get them and me to safety, right. I'm overweight. I'm a smoker. I'm miserable. I, I probably never looked in the metaphorical mirror like I never I was super observant but I was never really self-aware or focused on me I was one of these um, guys and I'm sure a lot of guys out there can relate to this like instead of dealing with my own problems I was creating other problems or trying to fix everything else as a way to not deal with my own my own stuff and I had a friend of mine who said to me, you know, I was complaining to him one day about, you know, my, my horrible life that he knew about, right. The bad parts of it. And he finally just stopped me one day and he says, dude, for years, I've been listening to you complaining and you're not, you know, you, you're not getting it. You're the problem, right? She's not the problem. You're the problem. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm not, I'm not the problem. I'm not, I'm not the one doing this. I'm not the one doing that. He goes, dude, he goes, you attack problems. Like the problem is a rabid dog. And you think you can change the dog from being rabid. So you go pet it and then the dog bites you and you get mad that the dog bit you. So why don't you realize, why are you out there trying to pet a bunch of rabid dogs? And I'm like, whoa, yeah, that makes sense. So I kind of like, it just hit me, not at one moment, but in a, in a short period of time that, yeah, you know what? I, I was the problem. I had to deal with what was making me make bad decisions. Why was I okay putting myself in unwinnable situations what what was that and um so i <clears throat> took this 
first step along this journey of going, okay, well, let's just figure out, David, who you want to be. Like, who, who are you and who do you want to be? And, and that was a real important point in my life because I had never, I was in my late 30s. I had never, ever taken that approach. I mean, accomplished stuff, did a lot of selfish things or whatever, but not aware of this is a purposeful thing I'm trying to do for me. At that same time, Sue, the same short period of time, I got a call from my sister who was long along her path of who she wanted to be. Great marriage, you know, wonderful relationship with her young kids, great career, great circle of friends. She was just living her life way, way, way down the path of me. And her and I were very close in age, like 16 months away. And I got this call from her saying, geez, David, I got terminal brain cancer. I don't, I don't know what to do about it. So here I was taking the first couple of steps along a path of discovery. And here she was now just taking the first few steps along a very short path to her death. And so that was kind of um, the start of the, of the, you know, thought of, you know, how do people deal or don't deal with their emotional side of the real traumas that they've had or what they might be going through because it's super easy to pull back when, when that happens, <clears throat> they want to isolate or how could I tell her how positive my life looked in long-term ahead of me because I finally started doing the right thing. How am I going to tell her that knowing that she's going to die in a couple of years or sooner? Right. How that is she going to aim in that guilt and that conversation that you're having in here? Absolutely. Right. So, so there's so many pushes and pulls that prevent us from maybe just connecting on an emotional level. And I, um, we, we both, fortunately, we purposefully did that with each other. We purposely talked about the emotional side of things. Like, how are you feeling? Or, oh my God, you and I said something stupid. And she's like, no, don't worry about it. It's not stupid. You can ask. And what, I mean, we were able to talk in a really authentic way, which is not terribly unusual, but it definitely is not the norm. And yeah, and Dave, I want to have that conversation right there where you're saying, because why does it have to take getting to a trauma to go deep and have those authentic conversations? I, I, I would love to, and then that's another why for me too, and be able to provide a service like the radio show to give people the the tools and also to hear the stories like yourself to say, Hey, you don't have to wait till there's trauma in the house, metaphorically speaking, whatever that looks like. Right. Yeah. It's a really complicated question. And my yeah. experience, I mean, my experience has been uh, only because I, even if I haven't grown to the level I should be at from where I started, I've grown a lot right in the last, yeah. in the last couple of decades. And, um, you know, I think that the answer to, to that question lies in really, really uh, three things. One, knowing yourself. So, so where, where are you relative to where you want to be or where you could be? So, so really know yourself, right? Number two is for, forgive yourself. Like for guys, I'm not going to say every guy, but for guys, uh, you, you don't have to be right. Just right. For everybody that has experience, you don't have to already know. Like just because you're used to the way something was done a hundred times doesn't mean that that's the right way or the only way. Oh right? my God. Thank you. So, <laughs> so, but, but part of that is also forgiveness because yes. you've got to forgive yourself for uh, not knowing what you know now. 
yeah. you didn't know it before. So yep. it, it's it's really being aware and and being and knowing yourself. It's two forgiving yourself or realizing that you that you it's okay to not know everything. And third is you, you got to lean into where you're trying to go to. And a lot of people don't, they're not comfortable with any of those three. And I think authenticity lies in that if you're going to have a true, hopefully connective conversation with someone about and, and really listen to them, really hear them, really understand what your part is in that, um, you know, all of that wrapped in this wonderful freeing thought that we're just pastor buyers in everybody's life. I can't live your life. You can't live mine. And there's a freedom in that to say, look at if I, if, if, if I'm just a pastor buyer and you're taking a moment to want to connect with me in an authentic way, I'm going to, I'm going to return it back. Or if I want to connect with you in an authentic way, I'm going to give you a safe space to do that. It's really hard because those elements are not easy. <laughs> I completely agree with you, completely agree with you. And isn't that the life's journey, right? Getting to know yourself, forgiving yourself for what you didn't know, you didn't know, right? Internal, external, all of that. And then also forgiving those. And I, and I want to just circle back to what the beginning of the conversation about taking ownership, responsibility, and accountability for how you are showing up in the world, in the relationship, Right. And, and the audience knows this. And with the curriculum that I teach, everything starts with awareness. You can put your head in the sand for years, guilty, because of denial, fear, whatever that looks like, or fight and flight, because you are doing the best that you can in that moment. So the moment that then you have that awareness, right, exactly like you were talking about and taking ownership, responsibility and accountability for that. And then seeking out the educator so you can get clear on who you are, how you're showing up. Yeah, I have a friend who um, is a, a wonderful man, great, great teacher. And he says, we're all just little kids in big, big, big kid bodies trying to impress <laughs> all the other little kids in big kid bodies with our big kid words. And I'm like, oh. wow, man, that's really cool. And he has this wonderful way of, of, of telling people when he's trying to help them of, you know, would you talk to the, a little kid the way that you talk to yourself inside, right? Because how many times did I say to myself, oh my God, you're such an idiot. Like, seriously, oh, why do you continue yeah. to put yourself into this problem? I mean, honestly, I mean, God, I mean, can't you learn? And I would just beat myself up mentally. And then when he said that, he said to me, dude, if you saw like a little kid reaching at the buffet, like for something they shouldn't reach for, would you walk up to him and go, you're such a stupid little kid. Like how, like, don't you know any better? Like, like what, what kind of decision-making ability do you have? Like, no, I would not talk to a kid like that. Why do you talk to yourself like that? And I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I need to forgive myself. Cause I didn't know then now I do know better. So I'm going to try to do better. And I also learned that through sport, right? Cause I, I was not active at all. I mean, not at all. And when you start to become active and you start doing, you know, endurance events, you, you learn a lot of lessons. You do. And it's overcoming oneself, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oneself, breaking old habits, habituations, programs, right? 
Yeah, um, but but uh, if I could tell you a quick story. Let me oh, no, story. bring it. Bring so, all the stories. Love. So these three elements of kind of being aware and knowing yourself, right? Forgiving yourself and, and then leaning forward. So um, if anybody is from the South, you, you if you've ever taken a drive from Athens to Atlanta, you know it's very, very hilly. It's about 85 miles. I did a race very early in my endurance career an 85 mile rollerblade race from Athens to Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, Penny, you're rolling your eyes. Like who, first of all, I don't belong on rollerblades. Second of all, I, I'm, you caught me. I love rollerblading. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what, what? There's rollerblade races. <laughs> go ahead. You know, go to Europe, go yeah. to Europe. And they'll, they'll have like 20,000 people in a rollerblade marathon. It's like, what the heck? It's big, big time. So there was an 85 mile race and I was the last guy that should have been on this course, right? I won't bore you with all that, the reasons why, but I'm about 35 miles into this thing and it's, it's in the high eighties. It's humid. I'm sweating. I'm torn of every muscle. I got no energy at all. And I, and I sit there and, and I'm standing, standing sideways to this crazy hill. I got to go up and I'm sweating like crazy on the asphalt, creating this like monstrous pool of sweat. <laughs> and I go, I just had this conversation inside of me. And at that point, cause it, you know, sometimes when you're at a stark point, it, it never leaves you. And I have this conversation with myself and I go, okay, David. So look, you're done. You're toast. You know, everything about yourself. So go ahead, pack it up, go home. Like, just do that, right? Just pack it up and go home because you already know everything about yourself. You're never going to learn anything new. And I go, but if you just give yourself a chance to learn, just lean into it, take one step, just take one step because that one step is further than you ever thought you could go. You're going to learn something new about yourself and then take the next step. And if you can, the next and the next. And I went another six hours having no business being out there anyway, but I made it to the finish line nine hours, nine and a half hours after I started and like six hours after I had depleted myself of every ounce of ability. And it was because I said, all right, you know, you should have been doing this stuff earlier. So you'd be in shape, but just forgive yourself. Just you are where you're at. That's right. Just be aware of who you are, right? You're on this journey. You want to learn stuff and then lean into it. So if you already know everything, just go home, just pack it up and go home right? But you don't know everything. So go find it, go see what you're made of and go see what the world can give you. And it's a, it's a silly little uh, analogy for me, but every time I think of when something's super, super hard, or I really don't want to do it, or it's completely uncomfortable for me, if, if I'm really self-aware that it's, it's a path, it's a step I need to take down that path, then I go, okay, you're going to learn something and you might fail. It might be something you're not happy to learn, but you're going to learn something new. Okay, right there, David. And thank you. That was absolutely beautiful. And I don't think it's a silly little story at all. I think it's so, so powerful. And the analogy and the example that you give, and then that it, it is, it's overcoming oneself. I call it the drunk monkey, the bad roommate that's in there. <laughs> <laughs> the bad roommate. Yeah. The bad roommate, right? You know, yep. and you know, you just got to say, hey, put, put up. And I love... I love the conversation and the example that you get. It's just little tiny baby steps. You don't have to jump over the big cavern, cavernous thingy that I'm trying to say, right? It literally, physically, mentally, it's baby steps and just 
one after the other. And then look, you, you overcame so much in that experience. I, I did on a number of ways, right? I'm, first yeah. of all, I, I definitely proved to myself that I don't know everything, which is a very good thing because yeah. who likes to know it all? Like who likes to know it all? No, and get honestly, so used to saying, I have no idea. I know, but it, that's the right thing to say because <laughs> I, I, I mean, who knows everything? I don't know. Every, and I don't have much in common with people that have the answer to every question. I'm sorry. I just don't. No, I don't no. have the answer. Right. And and also look at this though, David, and, and I have this conversation so much with my clients or wherever I'm at, regardless of whichever way that you go on your path, call it right or wrong. It's still a learning lesson. It's still, you're still going to gain wisdom. Oh, that is the right thing for me to do. Oh, no, no, I won't do that again. It's still wisdom. So have yeah. the CCs, have compassionate curiosity. That's a really great, uh, Nelson Mandela quote that where he says, I either win or I learn, I never lose. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's the truth. Um, so I, I learned a lot of things right during those times of like, who would think that a guy was a smoker and that never did anything. I mean, I was doing, I could do a 5k a month after I quit smoking. So why not do a 10k? Why not do an Ironman? Why not run 50 miles? Why not run a hundred miles, right? Why not go on a 300 mile bike ride? Why not run for 25 hours straight? Like all these crazy things, because I thought, Hey, you know what? I've been setting my goals. What I, what I, what I wanted to accomplish or could accomplish and feel good about myself. I, I, my goals are very low. Cause I always thought like, Oh, what the way other people think about me is what's important. Like I'm going to put on this like front, like I'm going to impress people or get their approval. And that's going to give me my self-worth. Instead, I started thinking, well, what's, how do you value yourself? And what are you proud of? And what do you like about what you're doing? And so then I realized on that front, my goals were really, really low because I didn't measure myself on my own self-worth. Right. And so I'd set super, super, super stupid goals very low because I could hit them and it would be no big deal. Right. But when you but there's start a to, building in that, there's a, there's a confidence building and a trust within that, you know, it, it is. And it's where I, where I wrote the, the first book winning in the middle of the pack. It was this idea that there's such a freedom in the fact that nobody's watching and nobody cares. It's the only thing that matters is what you think and how cool is that? So if you, um, tr- if you want to think really highly yourself, just set higher goals right? Just, just, and sometimes you're going to fail. That's okay. But you're going to learn along the way, right? But set higher goals. So that, that, that endurance athletics was a, was, was a great thing for me. It was also a contemplative place for me. And that's where, um, really, uh, helped me through the, the, you know, the cycle of live books that, you know, where I talked to 15 people and I did this 5,000 mile bike ride and whatever, but it was the contemplative nature of, of, endurance athletics, where I've really um, gained the most insight into who I am and where I belong, you know, contemplative and cathartic, right? You know, oh, both. Yeah, absolutely. All the above, all the above. Okay, we are going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with David. Uh, His his latest book and 100% of proceeds go to the cancer charity. Remind me the name of that again? Uh, All of them. Uh, all of them they're, they're, so just it's an umbrella basically. yeah there's 15 there's 15 uh, book participants each picked their own 
cancer focused charity. So those are listed in the book on the website, whatever, all the proceeds go to those different organizations. Wonderful. And guys, if you want to get that link and all the information, please just go to claritywithsue.com and we'll get all that good stuff. And then of course, on all the social media, we're going to take a quick commercial break and uh, then we're going to come back and we're going to recap everything that we're learning and digesting and processing. So we will be right back. Sue Longquist with the Gratitude Cafe. You can't roller skate in the buffalo herd. You can't roller skate in the buffalo herd. You can't roller skate in the buffalo herd. But you can be happy if you mind to. You can't take a Hey, Sue Lundquist here with the Gratitude Cafe. All right, folks, seriously, I've got the doorway. I'm working with amazing, high-functioning clients that are doing the work and busting through old habits to now transform their lives. This means breaking their old programming, their old stories, to feeling of purpose and such a relief that now that they have the answers. Does that sound good to you? Yes, I knew it. Give me a call, 206-300-2227. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Dispenza. I wanted to take a moment and let you know about a nonprofit organization called Give to Give. The Give to Give Foundation was created by a group of people who have studied my work or have participated in my workshops around the world. And by applying the principles of mind over matter and the mind-body connection, they've created outstanding changes in their lives or in their health, and they wanted to give back. The organization is dedicated to providing the proper resources to those people in need to gain the opportunity to learn exactly how to change their body or their lives. If you want to learn more about the Give to Give Foundation, or you know someone that needs help, or you simply want to make a donation, visit givetogive.com. Those who give don't always know how to love. Those who love always know how to give. Thank you. No matter who we are, or where we come from, we all experience difficulties in life. Military veterans know that sometimes it takes strength and determination to make it through. Whether it's obvious physical challenges or struggles on the inside, it takes strength to ask for help when you need it. I knew that I had to get support, not just for me, but for the sake of my wife and kids. Talking about it has helped me feel more like myself again. Honestly, it was hard to open up at first, but it's changed my life for the better. Learn how veterans like us have reached out for help and hear stories of strength and recovery at maketheconnection.net. Alternative Talk 1150. It's good for what ails you. This statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. But you can be happy if you've mind to. All you got to do is put your mind to it. Knuckle down, buckle down. Do it, do it, do it. Where you can't roll skate. Oh, Benny, I love that song. That's you got to send that to me. That is so <laughs> juicy. You know it's going to be that one and getting jiggy with it. It makes me giddy and fun. I, I think love that, it. I think that one crushes getting jiggy with it for right. <laughs> There's so much more to it than so much. Oh, I love it. Who is that? Because I'm sure the audience is like wondering. Because I am. It's an old Roger Miller song. Roger Miller. Yeah. Okay, you got to send that to me. I sure. love that. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to give you a music story super quick. So I 
um, I've run like thousands and thousands and thousands of miles, right? It's not, yeah. not even tens of thousands of miles, bike to whatever. And only one time can I remember ever getting a runner's high. Okay, only one time. So I'm I'm in Catalina, which is a island about 25 miles off the coast of California. I'm doing a 50 mile run, my first ever run more than than a marathon, 50 mile run. And I got my playlist in. And I'm running down this hill about five or six miles in, and I look to my right, and it's, and it's early morning, beautiful view of the California coast, and I've got this music in my head, and I am tearing down the mountain. I'm just tearing down the mountain, and, and, I'm, and I'm saying to myself, dude, it's a shame that this run is not on the coast because you literally could run to new york like you wouldn't even have to stop like i could run like three thousand miles forget 50 right and i'm running along and all of a sudden in my ear and the music i play I had everything from opera to hip-hop it's it's a um you better chickity check yourself before you wreck yourself and i'm saying yeah you better chickity check yourself before you wreck yourself and i'm like whoa wait a second that song is talking to me I better, and I look down at my watch and I'm going like, I'm running like seven minute miles, which by the way, you couldn't get me to do to one mile in a 50 mile run. So I said, yeah, you better chickity check yourself before you wreck yourself. Chickity check yourself. So I, I love that. So I, I, I won't be playing that one just because <laughs> it's a little rough around the edges. Right. It's okay. It's ice cube. So we're not going to go oh, there. Okay. Right. But, but every, yeah, everyone can listen to it on their own leisure. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but every time I start going a little too, like a little too happy, a yeah. little too ahead of myself, a little too over my skis, I go, dude, chickity check yourself. Yeah. <laughs> chickity check I yourself. It. I love that uh, i love that chickity check yourself. I mean, the timing how, how's it how did that thing come in my ears right then that was awesome okay so i'm i live in that world so i love that because all the all of it everything happens in timing and you're supposed to get those messages and i and along similar to the lines what you were talking about you meant to get that message and i and i'm going to give you just a little brief little story about just that i was actually i was driving into the radio studio a few years back and I was contemplating and arguing inside my head because I was going to have this conversation with this person and it was rah, 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 rah. and I started talking about it out loud and I literally bit my tongue. Oh, 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 that was and a I'm sign like, for you to bite your tongue. Ooh, bite your wow. tongue, sister. Yeah, right. Right. But you have that, yeah, that's everywhere. Awesome. And I ended up because it was, I was angry. It was about me. I was frustrated. It was, you know, mm -hmm. all that stuff. And I didn't want to blow all over that other person, you know, make it their fault or make it wrong. And so the powers that be, I call it Gus, God, universe, source, spirit. It could be purple chopsticks, whatever it is that inspires you to be the authentic and genuine you do yeah. it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let me remind everybody who we're talking to. We've got David Rickman here and we're talking about his latest book, um, winning in the middle of the pack. And also we were going to talk about, um, the cycle of lives, right? Yeah. 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 And that, that was another uh, kind of timing thing. So we talked about this path that I was on where I was just starting to figure out life. And then my sister was on this path where she was kind of at the end of her life and the timing of, really what cemented this idea of this book for me happened um so she was getting near the end of her 
um, journeys, right? She was very, very sick. And remind the audience for those. She had, who- she had brain cancer. Um, she, you know, beautiful kids, beautiful husband, great job, great life, you know, whatever. And then a terminal brain cancer came along and she, she fought as, as she could, but, you know, um, glioblastoma is, you know, pretty, it's oftentimes fatal. And, um, <clears throat> so she said to me near the end of her life, she said, Hey, look, there's this thing coming up. It's called this relay for life. It's a bunch of people get together and they walk yeah. around a track and it's really yeah. like inspiring and motivational, whatever. And there's a big team for me and I want to be out there and I want to cheer everybody on for the whole 24 hours. Mm. And I go, wow, that's a pretty lofty goal. Well, since you're going to be out there for the whole 24 hours, I'll run on the track for the whole 24 hours so we can watch each other. And so um, we made that pact and that was maybe about two months before the, the event, two days before she passed away. So she mm-hmm. didn't get to go to the relay for life, but I did. And I, I, I was on the track for the whole 24 hours and I was obviously super contemplative at that time. And I really noticed Sue, I noticed that dynamic that people were really good about talking about the tasks of their cancer. How do I get more information? Where do I uh, get, how do I get my kids watched while I head to chemo? How do I navigate time off of work? Um, what are the sources I can find that will help me eat a healthier diet? But those kind of things they were good about. But when it came to the heavier stuff, how are you feeling? The emotional things, how do you, how do you interact with your loved ones when it, when it comes to this type of stuff? People were quiet, yeah. didn't talk, didn't, didn't ask. It was just like this quiet, like, lonely self-isolating or abandoned place and i thought man there's got to be a reason for that and i mean not that i would know the answer to the reason i wanted to find what the answer was why why don't people talk and and why is it so hard to have these conversations about about you know trauma and and the and the loneliness and the guilt and the shame and the embarrassment and the the you know the unintentional offense and all of these things that we're worried about in our heads, what prevents us from doing that? And so I, I, what I try to do is I try to get a 360 view, young people, old people, um, uh, just the fear of cancer or live their whole adult lives, five different cancers over a 35 year period, mm. um, caregiver, professional, loved one, you know, oncologist, survivor, you name, it. I want all these factors in these inspirational moving stories that were told within the framework. Cause why we can't really understand the cancer thing. It's hard to wrap our brains around that, but I can understand abuse, um, abandonment, drug addiction, making bad decisions, uh, being given a bad hand in life. I can understand those things. So how did those traumas affect people's ability or inability, which was more often the case, to form these meaningful connections, to have these hard conversations. And so I embarked on this journey of finding these really diverse, interesting um, stories that could shed some light on that thought we talked about really early on, that you never know what people are going through or what they have gone through. And that was the, that was the, um, the genesis of the book. I love that. What were some of the stories that re- I'm sure all the stories stuck mm-hmm. out, but is there something that you would like to share intuitively that's coming to you? Or yeah, 
You're welcome to do that. Story. Yeah, I mean, I, I know we don't, we you know can't talk all day. Although I, I kind of like to talk to both of you all day, but um, especially when Benny pulls out interesting music. But um, but uh, yeah, some of the stories that stick out are like, for example, Patricia's story. So Patricia. So here's what I mean by you 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 never know what people are going through or what they have gone through, and if if I asked Patricia without knowing her story, what's the secret to life? Like, like what, like, give me an answer. Give me some wisdom. And she said, well, you know, every day you just got to get out of your bed and make your bed and go about your day. Just figure out a way to do that. I would be like, Oh my God, you're kidding me. Like, seriously, you can't come up with something better than that. Right. Oh. Right. Because, because I, I mean, that's kind of trite and it's, it's right, whatever. Right. And I, it doesn't sync with me, but when you start to learn about her story, and you go, okay, well, her story is kind of like, well, she took care of her dad when he was dying of cancer. And oh, by the way, she was going through chemo at the same time. And that was her fifth bout with cancer. She had five different cancers over a 35-year period. Basically, her oncologist is like, there's nothing left to cut out. So I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you're on your own. So, and that's not even her story. Her story is she met somebody just a year or so before her first diagnosis, who ended up being with her through her whole life, her love of her life, um, through all of that unimaginable uh, difficulty and trauma of dealing with five different types of cancer through a 35 year period. That's not even her story. Her story was she um, didn't meet him until um, about uh, three or four months after she escaped from a four year terribly abusive relationship one where she was sent to the hospital multiple times you know uh, could not have friends or family could he would he would beat the crap out of her if he thought she was looking at someone you know i mean it was just it was horrible she had to change her identity sneak away it was it was unbelievable and i said to her one day i go patricia i mean with the with the abusive relationship with the how the guilt you must have felt putting your husband through cancer diagnosis after cancer diagnosis, the strength that it took to you know deal with this stuff year after year after year, you know, to, to deal with misdiagnoses and the side effects and the, all the problems that you've had, then to take care of your dad and watch him die, why he's worried about you dying. I go, what the hell? Like, how in the world do you deal with that stuff? And she goes, well, David, every day. She goes, I just get up. I put my feet on the ground. I make my bed. Now I go about my day. Sometimes my day is to fall right back in bed again. She goes, but every single day I get up and I put my feet on the ground. I make my bed and I go about my day. And I'm like, whoa, now that in wrapped around the understanding of what that means. Now, when she tells me the secret to life is just getting, put your feet on the ground, get, go about your day. I'm like, well, if, not if she can do it, I can do, but it's more like, wow, how inspiring that something as trite as what I think that somebody said. So that, right. Right. That connecting yeah. in a deep level. So there's tons and tons of stories like that. And the finding the gratitude in the little achievements, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I, I'm, I'm picking my words specifically because it's achievements, right? It could be mentally, it could be physically, it could be sitting up in bed. You know, we've had conversations. It is going back to the baby steps and being thankful that I have air in my lungs, being thankful that I can 
stand on two feet. And if I if if I'm not physically able to stand up, I have done something to motivate or move my BODY, whatever that looks like. And finding the gratitude and the grace in those moments, right? And building upon that. I think that is so resilient and beautiful and powerful. And, and <clears throat> I speak from somebody that lots of people don't know what I have gone through. And I could wrap it up similar to what you're speaking to. And I have, I've, I have been so reluctant and I'm going completely transparent because of my three daughters. And, and I, I've been reluctant not to share all of this stuff because of my three daughters, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. And I, I, there has been some things that I have shared with them, but I've also waited until it was an appropriate age for them to hear what they were hearing, right? Yes. <clears throat> yes. And yes. there's, yeah, I know. <laughs> there's also, there's also this, um, this idea that, you know, by protecting them, we might be harming them too. Yes. And I, I know it's a tough, it's a tough road to, to walk down. And, you know, it's just like, and then not putting their fears <clears throat> or doubts on right. them based on my experiences, right? The helicopter parent or that. And right. I, and I've caught myself doing it because of my own traumas and fears yep. fully. Yeah. Yeah. I think what's important if, if they do get to a point where you're comfortable, <clears throat> excuse me, with them knowing, or with you having them know what you've gone through, um, it does give them the ability to have a little bit more empathy a little bit more compassion um, to step back and and because we can't protect them from bad things. Bad things happen to everybody who's listening to us. There, there's not a single person who hasn't been through trauma that if we really understood it, we would just our breath was would be taken away. <clears throat> it just would, and 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 that's one of the major points of of this book, the cycle of lives is that everybody is going through something or has gone through something and we don't know. And when they're going through something as difficult as cancer, when they're going through a medical issue, a change in career, um, the end of a marriage, something traumatic, right? It's those earlier traumas that are affecting their, usually their inability to connect with you. And if we could just take a moment to back away from what we already know. We talked about that earlier. If we could take a moment <laughs> to back away from what we already know. I just put rollerblades in my head when you yeah, said right. Yeah, I love and, it. And connect with them in an authentic way. It's, you know, I, I let me tell you another quick story. So there's another Dude. quick story about Joshua. So we talked earlier about, you know, this kind of like macho thing. Well, J Joshua is very macho, okay? Puerto Rican, you know, he's like, early 20s he's a surfer he's like this cool dude and he gets his pain in his in his groin he feels like he 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 pulled something and um he won't go to the doctor and he, you know all of a sudden he's like six months pregnant with and and you know belly extended and a pain that he can't he literally is seeing stars so he finally goes to see a doctor and the doctor's like yeah we got pretty bad news no way you're going to survive it's a sarcoma the size of a grapefruit we'll try to do surgery chemo radiation but he goes it's not going to be good and joshua will not let anybody help him mm -hmm. he does he does not tell work he does not tell his friends he's very reluctant to tell his dad he only does at the very very end he doesn't tell anybody right he just goes about it because why because he's so macho well i meet joshua and that's what i know about his story but when i start talking to him he 
opens up because he knows that I really am trying to bring the true story to light. So we can understand when somebody says, no, I don't need help, Sue. Totally. I appreciate it, but I don't need help. I'm fine. There's more. There could be more to it. Oh, there always is. Always. But even so far that we don't even know. So oh, where does it yeah. come down to is he and I are talking and he tells me about he's getting the pre-surgery where they come in and they go, so we're doing this, we're doing that, right? And you could die or this could happen, right? You, you're aware, and right? All these doctors and nurses and administrators are coming in, letting him know what they're getting ready to do. And his girlfriend is sitting there. She hadn't heard any of this from him. And she's, she turns white, she gets up and she goes, this is not my life, I'm out. I, I, didn't, I don't wanna be in a relationship with somebody that could die on the table. You're on your own, dude. So she leaves, like to never be heard from again. Imagine being wheeled into potentially life-ending surgery, knowing that the one person that you opened up to just walked out on you. And that wasn't his, you know, we're, we're talking and months later, we're still talking. And I'm just like, Joshua, there's more to the story that I'm, I'm just not piecing the whole thing together. Talk yeah. to me. And it turns out that when he was six years old, Sue, he was dropped off. He ran into the house and ran upstairs to go tell his mom something. And she was um, killing herself in the bathtub and I, I, I couldn't even imagine wrapping my brain around being nearly seven years old and walking in where your mom's taking the last few breaths of her life and that type of abandonment and that type of how could somebody leave me I mean that is one of the deepest darkest loneliest places to be and then you go through life and you develop the strength to wake up every morning and freaking go about your life and then at the one time probably in your life 20 years later that you need somebody you you reach out and they go you're on your own dude i mean when you, when this guy says i don't need your help what is he saying he's not saying i'm fine he's saying there's no way i'm going to ever allow anybody in again because they're just going to abandon me and he has a right to feel that way and so how does he overcome that how does he learn how to love again how does he learn how to be vulnerable how does he learn that he doesn't have to go alone and there's a process for that and there's a beautiful story that he that he tells about how he was able to learn that um but you know i oftentimes think when somebody says no i'm okay i'll now say are, are, are you telling me you're okay? Or are you telling me you're okay because you think that's what I want to hear? Or are you telling me you're okay because you really don't want to show me that you're not? Like, what's the reason? Because I know you're not okay. My heart's telling me you're not okay. How hard is it to say that to somebody? But I know now I got to say it because I know Joshua's story, right? There's more behind it. So I, I got to try to make it uncomfortable. I got to try to be in a place they don't want to be because I'm going to be there. Oh. I'm going to right? Not all the time, not for everybody. Sometimes I'm going to screw up, but I really want to be there for the people that matter to me. Right. And so, um, so that, that, that there's, there's so many wonderful, beautiful stories. Uh, not that that part of his story was beautiful, but um, how he overcame that and how he's so unbelievably centered and happy and open and caring and just, you know, is such a wonderful human being and, and how he made the transformation from those low points to where he is today, uh, guess will give us insight in, into how to deal with Joshua's, you know, in our life. Oh, I love that. You, you, you hit a chord big time. So it was meant to hear that story. So thank you very mm -hmm. much. Mm -hmm. <sighs>
Yeah, and um, I'm just taking a minute. There's Joshua's in all of our lives. What were the three questions? I want to remind the audience. Uh, when well, I say, oh, I'm just okay. What are the three questions you said? <laughs> I said, well, well, you could ask it anyway, but the way I do it is I go, are you telling me you're okay? Because you think that's what I want to hear? Are you telling me okay because you don't want to show me that you're weak, right? Are you telling me you're okay because if you do tell me you're not, are you afraid I'm going to go running for the hills, mm. right? Because listen, and I'm not judging because I'm going to answer this question, yes, but I know you and everybody that's listening here know someone who's going through something terribly difficult and we could have or should have or were asked to reach out to them and we haven't. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason we haven't, because we're embarrassed that we haven't. And we're like, oh, I don't the know. How to, and the guilt right? and right? all the stuff. I know people like that. I, yeah. I know people that I should be reaching out to. And so I'm just saying that there's, if the opportunity arises to connect with people, just don't worry about saying the wrong thing. Don't worry about invading their space. If they t- say no, dude, get out of my face. I don't need you. I don't need you right now. I'm fine. Okay, fine. But at least... I'm making an attempt to go, can we connect? Right? Do it, can yeah. we connect in a way? I want you to know I'm here. I'm present. Right? I don't know the answer to the questions. I'm not trying to give you advice. I don't have any sympathy for you. I just want to connect. Right? That's hard. It's so hard to do. That is such a beautiful dialogue, though. I mean, that that's what I do is I search out for those conversations and that dialogue, those questions to ask. Because when you're in fight or flight or when you just don't know what you don't know, right? And you... I love creating those questions and conversation around that. And you, you now providing those questions to not only myself, but thousands of other people that are listening. So thank you. Mm. Thank you so much for the journey. We've got about a minute to go. Uh, for all of you listening, Connection into Trauma, I, David's book, it's 100% goes to charity. So you can get all that information the links to his book is all on claritywithsue.com and all the social media, everything. A big, deep, juicy conversation today about overcoming not only yourself, uh, changing the dialogue within ourself, you know, the bad roommate, the drunk monkey, whatever that is, uh, and really genuinely and authentically providing a connection, not only for yourself, but the other people that are important to you that are in your life, right? And and take the time to do it. Why not, right? Why not? Thank you so much, David. And I am very grateful for this conversation and lots of chords were hit for me today. So I was meant to hear it. So thank you very much. For those of you listening, again, you can go to claritywithsue.com and get more information about David, get his links, get the book, 100% goes to charity. We would love for that to, uh, and to be of service to do that for you. All right, next week, we're doing a Valentine's Day special. We're gonna connect you with your loved ones. So make sure you guys do the call-in show with us next week. I love you guys, and I'll see you next week. And until then, each of you are a gift. Get out there and share yourself with the world. If you like the show, help more people find us by adding your review of the show on iTunes. The more reviews we get, the more people we can reach with this inspiring message on the Gratitude Cafe. Simply search for Gratitude Cafe in iTunes, hit subscribe, and add your honest review. It would help us immensely and we'll be forever grateful. It's one of the best ways you can give back to the show with your review. Thanks for tuning in to the Gratitude Cafe. Don't forget, every week is a new show and you could submit your questions at suelundquist.com forward slash gratitude cafe. 
The show goes live at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time in Seattle on Seattle's Alternative Talk AM 1150. You can also call in to the show at 425-373-5527 or 888-298-5569. Find the live streaming link at suelundquist.com forward slash gratitude cafe. We'll see you next week.